Welcome back to Would You Gaming, the podcast where we strive to keep you up to date with all the latest in gaming news and are also covering interesting topics along the way as well. Today we have much to discuss ranging all the way from Sora entering the fray in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate all the way up to Nintendo's pricing model for the Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion. And my, is it that a mouthful? But before we begin, if you haven't already, follow us on some of our social platforms. Let your friends know about us, and please rate us on Apple Podcasts. That way we can get out there a little bit more. It definitely does help us out, and we appreciate any support that you may be offering us. And we, we, we want to continue bringing this to you as time goes on, so we definitely appreciate that support. Start things off, we had a, a direct, a Nintendo Direct, a couple weeks back. Uh, it was on the 5th of October, and we were given information about Sork making his way to Super Smash Brothers finally. And the way he actually was able to enter Smash is interesting enough in and of itself. Sakurai tells it that he happened to be at an award show and saw a Disney exec. And they, they spoke, and he let them know, hey, we would love to have Sora and Smash. They stated, yeah, we would like that as well. So a long process of talks proceeded after this, and finally, everybody's wish has come true. I know Sora has been the request of so many people. I think it was the number one character request in the EU and um, Asian markets, and the U.S. it was number two. I don't know who number one was. I didn't look back at that. It's good to see that Nintendo was able to make this happen, though, and I know it had to be, just from a development standpoint, if you're looking at that, it's got to see almost insurmountable odds. You've got to not only go through Square Enix, you've got to get Disney on board, and Sakurai even did say that there were many hurdles, there were so many rules in place. These people, they want to protect their IPs and their characters, and you have to, you, you would feel the same way if you came up with something. You don't want anybody to drag your your brand down, tarnish that in any way, shape, or form. So you have to respect that as well. But they there were rules in place for the development. They finally made it happen. And it released a couple days ago. I think it was on the 8th? Or no, 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 no. The, it was on the 18th Sora finally joined Smash. I've yet to try this out myself. That was about three days ago at this point. I'm not a big Smash guy. I don't run out and pick up the DLC as soon as it drops. The only DLC I've purchased thus far is the pack that had the one-winged angel Sephiroth in there, and that's just because I'm such a fan of the character in that game as a whole. But I have to imagine sometime in the future I'd like to pick this up and try it out and see how Sora plays. But I know everyone was so ecstatic about this. Like I said, they had been wanting this so long. At every Smash Direct or announcement that we had up to this point, it was a guess that it was going to be Sora. You had somebody or a group of people all say, oh, it's Sora, it's Sora. And finally, they were right. They were right. So I'm happy for them, happy that they got what they wanted in that in that regard. And it seems like it will be, it's a good move. Hopefully, similar to how when Ultimate came back, they had Solid Snake. Hopefully, they're able to retain all these characters when we move on to the next iteration, provided we do have another iteration of Smash but I can't see them putting such a lucrative IP on the shelf and not bringing it back at some point. Next up, I want to discuss with you guys the dark plates, face plates for the, the PlayStation 5s. If you're unfamiliar, there was a company called Plate Stations, and they received a cease and desist as soon as they started to try to develop 
new shells for the PlayStation 5. And those shells are the things that look look up like popped collars on each side of it. Kind of looks ridiculous to me, but this is coming from a guy who doesn't own a PlayStation 5 yet. I assure you if it was in front of me sitting on my mantle, I would probably think it was the most beautiful piece of hardware I'd ever owned. This is just, I guess, jealousy <laughs> envy over here on my behalf, but it doesn't look that great, the original design. It looks a little bit wonky to me. And these these plates, they were... It, the, you notice though the the shells are white. So how all of the PlayStations in the past were all black, this one had a white shell on the exterior. These were dark shells that you could you could replace those with, and put on there. Dark Plates was doing this, and a couple days ago they they uh, issued a notice that sent, Sony had sent them a cease and desist, and were taking their pre-orders down, canceling that. Well, less than 48 hours later. They came back and said they had the Dark Plate 2.0. They have LED lights. Uh, they have a vent in the side for cooling. Uh, they trimmed some of the popped collar there on the PlayStation 5 to make it ever so slightly different to try to avoid any other cease and desist. And we'll have to see if this actually sticks or if they will have to go back and cancel these pre-orders as well. I saw this information on Review Tech USA. Rich there had gave us the information and stated that, you know, they probably did not just receive this cease and desist. They probably received it some time back, but wanted to use this as some kind of PR stunt, publicity stunt to get some positive traffic to their site. So what other better way to do that than issue a notice that your pre-orders are being canceled then less than 48 hours later come back and say, hey, guess what? We have a new design. Sue us, Sony. And again, they're out there putting themselves out there, threatening Sony, saying, proceed with your litigation. We believe we can beat that suit. It's interesting to me that just the two pieces of uh, plastic on the exterior of a console can get you a cease and desist, but I guess that's Sony's IP. They have a right to do what they want with it. They got to protect their intellectual properties, their hardware, and their sales. Interesting enough, it's likely just Sony trying to be lazy to avoid having to do anything special for special edition consoles because they could just replace those faceplates with like some God of War covered ones, um, some artwork of that on there, and bam, you get a whole new system there and you could just pop that out. And it's easy in that regard. You don't have to customize anything similar to some, what we've seen with some of the Destiny, the PlayStation, and the God of War consoles that we had for the PS4. Some of those were very intricate in the artwork, albeit they were just a coat of paint over the console. But this seems even easier for Sony to get away from and less production cost in the long run, I would assume. Next up, wanted to discuss with you guys Nintendo's online plus expansion prices. And I'm not happy about that myself. I think the price was $50 for a individual. Uh, and that is just uh, a ridiculous jump from what it was. Because you could pay $20 a year... Now it's effectively $30 more for the uh, DLC. Not DLC, it's $30 more for those additional ROMs. Now, I'm not a big fan of that in general, especially since most of these games have already been released prior. And if you look back as late as the 3DS lifecycle, we had, we got, what was it? We got Majora's Mask. They released on the select collection, there was Ocarina of Time. We also got Star Fox 64. That's three of the games right there in the launch lineup. 
Now, mind you, Banjo-Kazooie is going to be there. That's not been on a Nintendo console since the 64. So that could be a selling point for some people. But to me, I I never played that growing up. I know some people have such fond memories of that. I personally, I didn't even really play much of Ocarina of Time. I didn't own that title for whatever reason. I, I played the heck out of Goldeneye, and I know that ain't there. So maybe when they get that on board, I'll be I'll be all for it. But like I said, the pricing is just a little bit much, and I personally have the family plan here. So the the family plan is currently thirty four ninety nine a year, and and it's gonna go up to eighty dollars. That is ridiculous. And I was correct in saying it is forty nine ninety nine for an individual. 80 for the family. I guess if you can get eight people together and you guys all divvy up the cost of that, you could cut the cost a little bit there, but it just seems astronomical. When you jump up that much, if you look, you add $10 to that and you have you have the the base price for Sony and Microsoft services, both which offer in-game chat functions, they offer messaging messaging functions, and they offer two or in this case now three games a month that are free to play. I say free to play, but of course you're paying that subscription fee. Nintendo doesn't have all that much value to offer. They're gonna, of course, be N64 and Genesis games in it. They're gonna add a second batch that's gonna include the Majora's Mask, but I have to imagine that it's gonna come to a trickle or an all-out stop after that. For the price they're listing here, it is not continuously giving you two or three games a month. You don't have that benefit. I just I can't justify the price to myself. Response has been overwhelmingly negative. There are several people who are, are saying that it's a fair price picking it up. And to those people, I would say, how do you justify that? Of course, you get all these great ROMs that you love, but they're just that ROMs, which have been released on several other consoles. Probably not going to be much upscaling or anything with that. We'll get save states and everything. That's cool and all, but it's just not comparable with the of the other two competitors prices and plans and Nintendo seems to be trying to stay there with them it just doesn't make sense now there is Animal Crossing DLC this coming that's going to be priced at $24.99 and if you if you are a member of Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion and that is just a mouthful I, I want to say that how are you going to have DLC for your subscription services that is just absurd to me but the Animal Crossing DLC is free to you if you own that. I have to wonder if other first-party IPs will have this benefit. I only hope that it does not replace the free updates and contents we have been getting for the stripped-down games that they throw out to us. To me, just Nintendo is way off the baseline. They have got their finger way away from the pulse. They need to step back and reevaluate. They're valuing these old IPs at that amount. Granted, they're... Their IPs, they can value them however they see fit. I just don't see it being a fair, comparable price model compared to the competitors. And I'm even on uh, on PSN. I I don't have Xbox Live. I don't own any of the next gen consoles for that. But with PSN on my PS4, I often pick that up for like thirty, thirty-five bucks on Black Friday for sale. You're not gonna find that with Nintendo service. And if you do. It's going to be a while down the road, especially with these new ROMs coming to their site and everything. Like I said, if they throw Goldeneye on there, I might pick it up in the future. Try to find some friends to divvy that up with. But overall, I'm probably just going to stick with the plan I have. And as far as the Animal Crossing DLC goes, though, 
I'm not a big fan of Happy Home Designer in general. I'm more of the old school Animal Crossing camp. I might try it out in the future, but it's not something on my radar that I'm just like, you know what, I gotta pick this up day one. I need to pick this up, try this out, and see what this is all about. I've gotten my money's worth out of Animal Crossing at this time, and I still do my little daily. I'm not about all that designing houses and everything. It's meticulous, takes time. I don't have that kind of patience, to be honest with you. I just, hopefully we get they up the value of it in some way, and it's completely possible that they do so. We'll have to see how that goes. Finally, there was a game I saw some information on. It wasn't a, there was no release date or anything like that put in there, but it's a title that's somewhat like Pokemon. Except there's a kind of a caveat or twist to that. So the title is called Cassette Beast. And you go around, you battle and capture monsters with your... <laughs> what looks like a Walkman. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that they have such a retro looking device as your capture device. And you'll see them go into battle, they'll hit the button on the Walkman. And the twist here comes in because instead of battling with these monsters, you transform into them. And it seems there's the ability to develop relationships with other characters, other NPCs in the game. That's going to be people in your party. And they would in turn have their own uh, cassette beasts that they're able to turn into. And you can fuse those two for extra transformations. I've not played Nexomon, but I did pick up, uh, what was the other title? What was that other one? Monster Sanctuary. I'm not opposed to Pokemon clones or games taking inspiration from that as long as they have their own twist and they have their own gameplay loops that are interesting this is something that I'm gonna try to pick up when it comes out because it looks like an interesting game to me and it is coming to switch but anyway this has been Chris here with Woodgy Gaming like I said if you haven't already give us a like give us a follow on our social platforms rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcast and thank you for tuning in yet again